2020 has definitely been a year of major wins and major losses. But I think the good thing is, as long as you learn from the experience, then it's not really a loss, right? If you learn something new from something quote unquote bad, or if you learn something new by things not going your way or not going the way that you expected, it's not really a loss. At least I don't think, you know, but 2020 has definitely dealt its fair share, more than fair share of wins and lessons. Well, we phrase it as that. And um, even though it's taken us on an emotional roller coaster, I'm excited to see what's on the other end. Hopefully something good. You are now listening to The Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Chanel Janae. Guys, this is the last episode. And I can't believe we've gotten here already. Um, I'm super duper grateful for all the amazing guests we've had on this season. I'm super grateful for you guys for sticking with me and listening to all these episodes, listening to me go off on different tangents about different things. Um... And just enjoying the ride. I am forever grateful. Hopefully we'll be back for season three uh, relatively soon. You know, it's still a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be back for season three. I'm very, very grateful to have taken this journey with you guys. Very, very grateful for all of my amazing people who have come on here and given me their opinions. Talked about Black creativity this season. Talked about how they've navigated this pandemic. Um, I've learned a lot and I hope you guys have learned a lot too because everyone came from different backgrounds, different walks of life and to hear how they do life is just always been an interesting thing for me. So once again, thanks guys. Um, I'm not going to get emotional because I do not feel like crying at the club right now. So let's go ahead and jump into our first segment, which is who said that? Today's Who Said That comes from one of my favorite people on this earth who I do not know personally, Megan the Stallion. First and foremost, this is a Megan the Stallion stand podcast, okay? We love Megan. Let's let's make that abundantly clear. We love Megan. And recently Megan wrote a opinion piece for the New York Times in which she spoke on why she's so vocal about standing up and speaking out for black women. But one of the one of the things Megan said that really caught my attention was when she said it's ridiculous that some people think the simple phrase protect black women is controversial. We deserve to be protected as human beings and we are entitled to our anger about a laundry list of mistreatment and neglect that we suffer first of all Megan yes yes and yes I agree with everything you said um but the thing that really stood out to me was the fact that she chose to harp on the fact that the phrase protect black women is controversial I don't know who in their god-given minds would hear a phrase like that and think Oh, no, no, no. See, that's that that's that stuff right there. That's 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 that stuff that we don't like who. Who hears 
protect, insert really any group here, but protect black women and think that needs to be shut down. Like that's something that's up for debate. Like I'm not really, I'm not really sure like how their brain works and like, I, I don't know, you know, this phrase as a black woman, this phrase is one that of course I take to heart. And I think a large demographic that listens to this podcast takes to heart as well. Because as, as Megan said, we have been mistreated and neglected and disrespected uh, for years and years and years. And it, it sadly, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Um, so for us to demand, and it's not an ask, we're not asking you to protect black women. We're demanding that you protect black women. Yes, we can protect ourselves. Yes, we are doing everything within our power to put things in place so that our protection is guaranteed. However, it's not so much to ask, especially from our brethren, men who are supposed to be our brethren. It's not a lot to ask for you guys to step in and stand up and speak out in protection of us. Like it's not, it's not a giant ask. Like you think we ask you for an inch. You act, some men act like we're asking for a mile. Like it's not, again, it's not debatable. It's not a debatable topic. It's not a debatable phrase. Protect Black women. You know, protect Asian Asian women. Protect Indigenous women. Protect, protect women. Like, I don't, you can insert any other racial or ethnic group in there and the sentiment would still be the same. But for some reason, when we say protect Black women, there's, there's a bit of a, a you know, a hiccup. It's like, you know, oh, wait, I didn't hear that. What'd you say? Oh, no, you heard. You definitely heard. Um, Yeah, Megan. The entire opinion piece is, is actually phenomenal. Um, I don't know where, you know, people get the disconnect that just because this girl loves to twerk and loves to have a good time that she can't have a very well thought out opinions. Um, but this piece is is it, actually. It's, it's a very good piece. Um, so yeah, Megan, you said that I will continue to support you because you are living your life. You are having fun. You are what carefree black girls, what a carefree black girl looks like. You know, she is. I support it. I stand. Um, so yeah, shout out to you, Megan the Stallion. Live your life, sis. And we're going to move right on to... Who got snubbed? You guys, I said earlier that I didn't want to get emotional. I didn't feel like crying in the club. But I'm a, if if y'all hear my voice crack in this next segment, just know I really did try to hold it together. I really, really did. Um, so today's who got snubbed goes to Kariga and Felicia Bailey. And if you're not familiar with those names, Kariga and Felicia Bailey were on a couple weeks past episode of the own show Black Love. As a matter of fact, I think they were on the 10th of October. So Saturday night. Um, Kariga and Felicia Bailey have a phenomenal, phenomenal, heart-wrenching and heartwarming love story. 
um, they lost their newborn daughter uh, out of nowhere, really, because everything was going well with the pregnancy. They had no hiccups. It was a very smooth pregnancy. Everything was literally going perfectly until it didn't. And in this episode of Black Love, the entire episode was dedicated to their story uh, solely. If you are familiar with Black Love, you know they get perspectives from various couples throughout the entire episode. But this particular episode solely focused on the Bailey family. And the reason why they are today's Who Got Snubbed is because no one is is really talking about them the way I feel like they should be talking about them. Um, If you watch this episode... The level of love and care and gratitude and empathy that these two human beings have for each other, that these two beautiful human beings have for each other and have for their daughter who is not gone. They still speak of her in the present tense. It's it's unreal. The way... Kariga Bailey pays attention to his wife Alicia Bailey and the way he describes just that whole that whole situation is just I'm struggling for words because I'm going back in my mind just thinking back to several scenes from that episode and in the different moments in that episode and the beauty and the love again and the care is one that you can only dream about having with your significant other and that movies can only hope to emulate through the screen it's it their love was on another level it really was and it was so beautiful it was so genuine it was so raw because um after the episode i ended up finding the baileys on instagram of course super Snoop, uh super snoop um, I found the Baileys on Instagram and Felicia disclosed that at the time that they filmed that particular episode, it had only been four months since their angel child passed. So the emotions are very raw. They're very real. They can be triggering to anyone who has experienced any kind of loss, um, particularly of a child. But the beauty, man. The beauty that this couple displayed, the love that this couple displayed, again, is is one that will truly make you lost for words. It's one that you hear people talk about, you read books and people describe them, you know, authors describe them with flowery language and alliterations and all this nice stuff. But to see it in practice and to see it in action with Kariga and Felicia Bailey, that that sparked a, a level of hope and a level of um, awareness that I don't think I had tapped into just yet. And and it wasn't just me. If you looked on the comments section, you know, on their page, on the Black Love page, a lot of people were saying the exact same thing. This episode changed me. And it has stuck with me. And I think it will continue to stick with me. And if you watch it, Please tweet me 
hit me up on Instagram, DM me because I really do want to talk about this episode because it was just, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, I really feel like people should be applauding them and just showering them with love and peace and light. Um, so that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give the Bailey family their flowers that they so deserve. I'm going to give their baby Kamayu the flowers that that beautiful little girl deserves. Um, so shout out to the Bailey family. I want more people talking about this family. I want more people talking about the love that they share, the loss that they share. I want more people talking about the ba- Bailey family. So shout out to you guys. Three, two... Alrighty, guys, it's time for what is arguably my favorite segment. It is the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is because we have a very special guest, writer, model, motivational speaker, aka America's adversity coach, an actor who can currently be seen on Tyler Perry's Bruh on BET Plus, Monty Washington. How you feeling? Hey, I'm good. You know, living a dream, avoiding the lie. Look, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't just... <laughs> You can't just come up on here and drop drop something like that. You said you're doing what now, sir? Living the dream, avoiding the lie. Ooh, let let's go ahead and get into that. What what do you mean by that? <laughs> um, you know the dream. Literally, I'm literally living a dream. Um, you know, acting and speaking and all that. And the lie is that the dream is not possible. Mm. So by living the dream, you avoid the lie, which is why so many people. Um, you know, I don't really go after that dream just to believe the lie that it's it's fantasy. It's all a dream that it's not possible. So I'm living the dream and avoiding the lie. Wow. You know, I kind of expected you in doing my research. I, I expected you to drop some gems, um, but I don't <laughs> think day. I was prepared for like the first 10 seconds. I wasn't prepared for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. I'm happy to have you here. Um happy that you are living the dream. I hope that is something that we all, you know, can eventually walk in. Um, how, how have you been doing with this pandemic? Because I know a couple conversations I've had previously, especially as creatives, we get, I don't know, we've, we've just experienced this, a myriad of, of emotions during this time. So for you and this pandemic, how have you been feeling overall? Overall, I'll say this. Um, I, I, I'm a, a, I'm an avid reader. I study uh, Stoicism, which is a practical form of philosophy. And uh, Marcus Aurelius, you know, uh, Rome's greatest emperor and stuff. He had a quote I read the other day that, that I think is appropriate. He says, a strong stomach digests all that it eats. A strong stomach digests all that it eats. And lucky for me, I, I come from um, I come from the hood. I come from a very, very rough childhood and background, and I've, ex- I, I've experienced a lot of hard times in my life. So, for me personally, the pandemic, I had about two weeks. <laughs> I had about two weeks of like freaking out and uh, just non-activity, and then I had this affirmation that I've been holding on to. Uh, I've been saying it: um, there will be an abundance of opportunities when all of it when all of this is over and I've been holding on to that and it's turned out to be true. So for me personally, um, it's been great. I've, I've focused all my energy into the things I can control, um, getting back in touch with myself, my health, 
you know, that, that personal development journey, that journey of self-love. And that's what I've been encouraging people to do uh, consistently. Um, it is scary. It is a hard time. I missed out on big acting gigs. I missed out on speaking opportunities. There's been a lot that I missed out on, but I've also gained time to do and focus on things that I didn't have time for. So um, life's greatest commodity is time, and we have more of it than we ever have. And for those who have chose to focus on that time and use it to the best of their ability, are going to come out on top of this. So for me, um, I had about a two-week freakout, and every now and again, with all this uh, civil unrest, you know, another brother, another sister is killed or something. I have those dips where I'm just like, I'm frustrated and angry and, you know, pissed off at the world. But overall, I've been making the most out of it. I, I feel like today I'm better than I was in March in every way. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably true for a lot of us. Um I don't know what it was, you know, well, I mean, I guess I do know what it was. It was the whole unexpectedness, if you will, of a global pandemic, of being shut in, essentially, of not being able to retain some sort of normalcy. Um, And I think that kind of had us all in a tizzy, really, um, back when it first started. But now I feel like you, you know, I, I think I'm more okay today than than previous months i didn't have about a two week a two week uh kind of freak out mine was more so like two months <laughs> <laughs> i ain't mad at that i ain't mad at that My, i don't know you know it just kind of hit me I, I like to think that i'm one of those people who really um ascribe to black optimism to seeing the glass half full i i, I am normally that type of person but i don't know what it was and I can't even pinpoint what two months it was because we've been here for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was just, you know, Monty, I was just, I wasn't here for it. I'm still not really here for it, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. Like you said, you got to, as my mother would say, eat the meat and spit out the bones with everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the, the one thing that has helped me do that is finding different outlets to cope. Um in previous episodes, I probably alluded to this, but I picked up art. I've been drawing and painting and, you know, dusted off my keyboard. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, just that creativity has been finding different outlets. I'm a writer, you know, just every other day. But those particular outlets have been really helping me stay sane and kind of, you know, allow me to express differently. So have you picked up any different hobbies aside from your usual acting and writing? Um, I've been, let me see, new hobbies. Yeah, oddly, this is random. (laughs) This is is super, this is super random. I've been, uh, low-key picking up card tricks. Um. Okay. Uh, just, I, I like, um, I like when I'm thinking and I'm in a creative process, I need to do something with my hands. Um, for some reason, it's just whether it's twirling a pen or tossing a, a football around or basketball. For some reason, when I'm brainstorming and I'm in this like creative process, I need to be doing something with my hands. And um, I recently just got done filming uh, the second season of my show at, at Tyler Perry Studios, and we were quarantined, you know, on a on his lot for like three weeks, you know, shut off from the outside world. And I brought my deck of cards because I figured, oh, I might have time to play spades and whatever. And I just found myself like 
twiddling with the cards, shuffling them as I'm like going over my lines and rehearsing. And I started getting into it and I started on YouTube, just like picking up little shuffling card tricks. I feel like in acting in particular, one of my uh, bits of my process is like to know the lines very well. Can you, can your attention be somewhere else and you still not miss a beat? Mm -hmm. So I found if I'm rehearsing and I can shuffle cards and look at the cards and still not miss a beat, that's how you know you're living in the moment because we do it all the time in real life. Rarely are we just talking and doing nothing. We're always doing something else. And so for me, I found that as a part of my process. And messing with the cards, I was like, I kind of like this. So I've been looking up little little card tricks on YouTube, little shuffling things. Um, I don't know, just something random and interesting, to be honest. But uh, um, yeah, other than that, just getting back into my writing heavily, writing my own show and getting caught back up on some reading. But I think that's the one like random thing. I want to get back into boxing and I want to pick up salsa uh, classes once everything is um, opened up a little bit because it's pretty strict here in L.A. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's that's the only kind of random thing. But it's fun. It, it serves no purpose other than I enjoy it. Yeah, that's you know, I, I really cannot be mad at that. I'm not I'm not I don't judge you for that at all. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun to have those those things that are not necessarily for profit. You understand what I'm saying? You know, just those things that you can sit back and literally just be like, I like this because I like it. Not because someone is paying me to like it, because Uh I'm just supremely gifted at this. I just like to do it. Yeah. I love things like that. That's how I feel. Like I said, drawing has been that thing for me. Painting has been that thing for me. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not not Picasso. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, (laughs) I could do a little something, something, but... It's just just to stay sane and just to stay motivated, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's some things you just um, yeah, some things you just you just need to do just strictly for enjoyment, and there, there's nothing um, that comes from it. It's literally a hundred percent enjoyment, and uh, I found that that's you know it's a it's a good tool. It's a really good tool. Um, you know, like boxing, that's definitely for uh, my acting. You know, um, I, I get a lot of kind of masking and alpha roles, leading man roles. So um, being able to have that in my repertoire and then, you know, to see a six foot three brother dance, you know, so that might be another <laughs> little something, something. Um, but uh, yeah, but as far as like the card tricks and all that, it's just sometimes just, just for enjoyment, just pure enjoyment, especially during this time, you need a, you need a mental reprieve. Yeah, and I think it, that's something for creatives that we tend to not really um, hold as important as all the other things that we do, you know, for profit or for gain or things like that. Uh-huh. We don't really take the time to try to nurture those things that, like you said, are just purely for enjoyment and for ourselves and not for, you know, public spectacle. And I think for us as creatives, we have to dig deeper, especially now that we have the time to, we have to dig deeper and figure out, I know for me, this has been a big thing, figure out the bigger why into all of this. You know, if our whole existence as creatives is just to, you know, make a profit, get out there, make our names big, make, you know, our dreams come true. That's cool. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But 
I think what we're starting to see now and what we've been seeing, particularly in the last five to six months during the pandemic, is that there are a lot of things that are bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that deserve our time and attention and our resources and our willpower and brain power. And we all have to carve out our role in all of that. Yeah. You got to find your space. Uh, I always say, uh, take up as much space as your existence will allow. Um, and as artists, we got to, we got to fill those different spaces in our own unique ways. Everybody, uh, my man, Jay-Z, <laughs> he says it best. He says everybody has a genius level of talent within them. And, as artists and as creatives, it's important that we figure out what that is and how it can be used to, uh, you know, push push for a better uh, a better world in some kind of uh, way, shape, or form. You know, um, even on the, the smallest of levels, mm-hmm. um, it's, you don't always have to be the biggest, the best, the next best thing. You should strive for that. I think every artist's um, goal, whether they can articulate it or not, me personally, I believe, is like to make a living off of your art to have it appreciated by as many people as possible and to have it have a positive effect on people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like the innate, you know, any, any, any artist who's really doing it for the love, that's what it is. And so this time is definitely that, you know, that's why I'm writing my own stuff and figuring out what's my voice in this, you know, being a black man doing all this stuff. And there's so many times where I've had some dark thoughts, some very like, yo, whew, I hope I never get in that situation because, man, my response is going to be that different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just like, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a powerful individual uh, with the platform, with the voice, with the talent, skills, gifts, and abilities. How can I use this to make things better for my people, for lack of better words? Right. What can I do, and what, in which ways? And um, yeah, and that's that's I think that's what you're talking about, dude. The, that greater why and. Uh, uh, that's something I, I have a good idea about, but it's something I'm, you know, constantly trying to figure out. Like, what what space do I occupy that I can help move, uh, you know, move our narrative forward and away from the past and away from the negativity and towards, you know, equality and equity. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's admirable admirable for you know artists like yourselves and other ones out there who do decide to essentially take up that mantle to figure out, like you said, how to move that narrative forward, how to, um, you know, expand it really, because mm-hmm. first for too long, you know, historically, the narratives of us as black people have been formed in one way or another. Um, most times it's, it's not positive. Um, but that's not because of our own doing. It's because of, you know, other systems and, you know, people and places. But I think it's very, very admirable for Black creatives who do decide to, you know, add to that uh, expansion of the narrative. But I also think sometimes it's a bit unfair. And what I mean by unfair is that we weren't responsible for creating these horrible, you know, stereotypes in stories ourselves. We didn't we didn't come up with all these horrendous stories that wasn't. That wasn't our doing. Um, and so for us to have to then come back around and be like, well, no, that's not actually how we are. Or, or no, that's not, you know, the way we do things. I love it because now the stories can be told from an authentic place and from a real place. Um, but I also am like, man, we shouldn't have to even do this in the first place. Oh, man. I, I, absolutely right. It's it's Racism isn't a Black 
issue or a black problem. It's a white problem with black victims. Um, this the the way the system systemically, structurally, um, systematically, it's it, it isn't. And it and I choose to be a voice to educate, you know, white allies and people to understand their implicit biases and how you've been um, conditioned to look at people like me and yourself a certain way because you don't even know it. You're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. So I choose to do that, but we shouldn't have to. We Mm -hmm. definitely shouldn't have to, just like women shouldn't have to explain and expand on this rape culture and the objectification and equality. Women shouldn't have to because women are the victims. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's just one of those things. It's I don't know if it's a human nature thing, but it's like if 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 the system, if the society is working for said individual, then they're not going to do nothing about it. They may feel sorry for it. They may do. They may be like, oh, that sucks for black people. That sucks for women. That sucks for the LGBTQ community. But my life is good. This is right. Just fine for me. So I, I don't have to do nothing. So you're right. It's 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 unfair. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's the cards we've been dealt with. And, you know, I, I believe as unfair as it is, as it is, we've been dealt these cards because we're able to handle it. Mm-hmm. We're just resilient as a people. And, um, you know, it's 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 our reality and we're going to make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. I love that you say that we're resilient as a people because I tend to believe that too. Um, looking back on over 400 years of just mistreatment and just a whole myriad of ugliness, um, I yeah. believe we yeah. have, <laughs> you know, what else, what, yeah. what other way can I say it? Um, we have definitely continued to put one foot in front of the other and press toward the mark of a better society, um, better treatment. Um, a better livelihood, not just for us, but, you know, for the generations after us. Um, but specifically when it comes to, you know, Black artists during times of uncertainty, like now the pandemic, like, you know, years before us during the civil rights movement, even, you know, again, back to now the, you know, civil unrest with all the protests and everything. I know, and with some of the conversations I've had, it's been a bit hard for Black artists to tap into that side now and to really um you know just bring forward those those creative thoughts and and express themselves in that way because there's so much outside pressure and so much um other things that are you know taking up space in their minds and in their hearts um so i want to know from your perspective you know how can we continue as black artists and creatives how can we continue to express ourselves creatively during this time and why should we at all Mm. um why well jorge borges he's a he's a uh, spanish uh uh author and he says everything that happens to you is a resource and as artists it's important that we use all resources available to us and um that's exactly what happens and as black people this is our time um, with all these marches and the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff, we have the ear of the world for the first time. You know, these things have been going on for a long time. Now people are paying attention, and it's going to be to the protesters, it's going to be to the politicians, but it's going to be more so on the artists um, who have a responsibility to express that and share these stories. And we need to. Um, I see some people, and this is just me. I was. Uh, I see some 
black artists, black celebrities who take the position of, I'm not going to explain this shit to you. I'm right. not going to tell you nothing. You know what it is. Right. I'm saying this. Blah, blah, go learn it on yourself. And that's cool. I'm not mad at you. It, it gets it, it gets it gets tiring. It's like, oh, now you want to listen. So I understand that. But for me, it's like, what's the goal? Black people know what's happening. We know. We live it. We experience it. It's other people who don't believe it. And we have to understand. I travel when I speak. I go to a lot of Middle America and South where very few Black folks. People live differently here in America. You can not be black, and if you don't want to, never interact with a person of color. Mm. You can live a full life, full life, raise a family, have a job. You can live a full life and never interact with a black person. You can live a full life and never understand what we really go through. You see how slanted the news and stuff is. and um, I don't know if you watched the, that documentary, Social Dilemma on Netflix, but literally your feed, your social media can – feed into your biases and continue to show you one side of the story and only what you want to hear. So if you don't believe the plight of the black folks, then you can live in that ignorance and be willfully ignorant. And it's up to black artists to find a unique and creative way to shine light to the truth of how messed up things are, you know? Um, and I, I just feel like it's our responsibility. Now, you can get tired of not saying anything. Um, I'm not saying you need to hold people's hands. Right. I'm not saying you need to, our, our, our non-people of color and our allies, I'm not saying you need to read the book for them and give them a summary, but tell them what books to read. Right. You don't have to watch the documentary and send them a summary, but tell them what documentaries to read. Tell them what artists. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Tell them. Because they don't know. The system has not showed our culture. It's us up to us to do that because it's our responsibility. It's our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the minority. We're not the majority. So you can choose to take that route. But I'm going to point people in the right direction. I'm going to I'm going to engage in what I call courageous conversations that are going to lead to meaningful interactions. And, and as an artist, as a black artist, it's my responsibility to do so. Mm -hmm. And. I don't know what you gain by choosing not to do it. I don't know how much help that changes the situation by choosing not to do it. I love that. I love that. I mean, I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> what What do you say? <laughs> what do you say after that? I just, you know, I just, I, I, I live this and I, you know, I try to understand and I, and I get it. Um, I really, I really, I really get the exhaustion. Um, uh, uh, Baldwin said it best to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant rage. Listen, listen, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> to be in a constant rage and to have to explain this stuff to people. And I, one thing I've realized, right, this is the one thing that kind of helped me, um, be patient with people. Mm -hmm. Um, is uh, it, it gets frustrating having to explain this stuff to people, but people genuinely don't know, mm -hmm. particularly white people. They genuinely don't know the day-to-day -day struggles of black folks because they don't have to. They have the ability to say, I don't see color because your color has never been an issue. Your color has never been the deciding factor of life and death, getting a job or not, getting the loan or not. So you've had the privilege of not seeing your color as an issue. Black folks were so conscious. It's called um, 
the technical term is called double consciousness. Mm-hmm. We, we, we go in the world and we know our blackness because rarely are we in environments, many of us, where we're the majority. So we're aware of how we move in those spaces. And I've realized people genuinely don't understand our lived experience because they live in a different world than we do. And I've developed empathy. Now, I'm not tolerant of ignorance and stupidity. I will call it out. But I've developed empathy for people who aren't people of color because they don't live and operate in the world that we do in the way the media and social media is set up to feed you these false narratives that can craft this almost matrix-like alternative world and universe for you. It keeps you ignorant until we bring it to the forefront. And so black folks who give, um, we are pop culture. American culture is the world's culture. Americans' culture is black culture. Period. Whether that's at the forefront or whether that's appropriated. That's just the reality. So therefore, black culture is the world's culture. We give the world its flavor. We, We dictate what's cool and what's not cool. And so as artists, we do that. As athletes, as musicians, as singers, as producers, as painters, you know, as actors, we do that. And knowing that power, why the hell would you not use it to shine greater light, to bring attention to these issues in a real way? Because even racist people still love watching LeBron play. They sure do. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) That, again. Yeah. What can I say to that? (laughs) I can say nothing. I can arguably Uh, talk to you all day about this because you are a great conversationalist. Um, But unfortunately, we have to go. But before we go, plug (laughs) your project, Monty. What can we be expecting from you? Okay, so I got a few things real quick. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. The first thing is right now you can watch my show, uh, Bruh, on BET+. Plus where I'm about halfway, a little more than halfway through the first season. We just finished filming the second season at Tyler Perry Studios in record time, 19 hour long episodes in four days. Don't ask how we did it. I still don't know. I'm gonna Um, ask you later after this is over. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't know how we managed to do that, but we just did that. I got my other show, Stuck with you on UMC. That's we shoot the second season in November, and then my other show. Um, uh, I have a recurring role in games people play on BET. Uh, Tracy Edmonds is the executive producer. Vanessa Middleton's a showrunner. Um, Karuchi just got added to the uh, to the cast uh, after Nipsey passed, and Lauren had to you know go through her grieving phase. We had to uh, postpone it. So in January, we're going to start filming that, and then on a social justice issue. Uh, me and my partner, um, Julia, Dr. Julia Garcia, um, New Roth, we created this platform. It's called GiveADose.co. That is G-I-V-E-D-O-S-E dot co. And it's a platform literally to talk about these issues, to amplify the black uh, the black uh, voice and experience, to share our lived experiences, and for people to look into their biases. So there, you go on there, there's questions and prompts and you get to see both in a written and a video form understanding how black people feel the difference from getting pulled over by a cop if you're black or if you're white all these different things and it's just a perfect opportunity for um people for black folks not to have to relive this trauma and for uh allies and people who are just curious to explore their own bias and to learn more about our stories 
I love it. I really, really love it. I've said it five times. That's because I really mean it. Uh, Monty Washington, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, that's that on that for the last and final episode of season two. To keep up with Monty, make sure you follow him on Instagram at Monty underscore Washington and on Twitter at Washington Monty. And as always, to keep up with us, you can follow us on on Twitter and Instagram too, at The Chat Podcast. That's at The Chat, P-D-C-A-S-T. Tell us what your favorite episode was this season and who you might want to see on season three. And as always, I'll definitely chat with you later. <laughs>